I'm excited about these next three weeks. These next three weeks, we are going to prepare our hearts for Easter. You know, Christmas is all fun and all, but, but Easter is really what it's all about. When he died for us, for our sins, when he was laid in the grave and three days later, he rose again and defeated death, hell, and the grave. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the number three. Simple number, number three. Now, when you think about the number three, there's uh, lots of places in Scripture where the number three is used. Uh, the biggest area that is used is talking about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. That's the biggest one way it's used. But there's all kinds of little ways, whether it's be used for, for measurements as you, as you read through the book of Numbers and, and Leviticus and the Old Testament, and even on in, into the New Testament, uh, Jesus used it a lot. And so uh, you had your three close, closer disciples. You had your 12, but you had, had your Peter, James, and, and John uh, disciples. You had all kinds of areas, all places in the, in the scripture where the number three is used. Now, the number three is definitely used in Easter because obviously Christ was in the grave for three days and he rose. He rose again on the third day. Also, and we're going to talk about this today, we're going to talk about the denial of Peter. Um, he had three opportunities to say, I know that guy. I love that guy. He's my savior He's my maker, but he didn't. He denied Christ three times. There it is, number three. Next week, we're going to talk about the three crosses. The three crosses and what they mean and how we can you know, kind of relate that to our life. I'm going to dig in there a little bit, kind of a little bit of history with that. And then third, the week before Easter, we're going to talk about the three nails. The three nails that held our Savior to the cross. And I've got some pretty cool things planned uh, for that service uh, as well. And that'll be the Sunday before Easter. So just three simple messages, three simple numbers. One, two, three. And so this week, we're going to talk about uh, uh, Peter and his denial. He's denying Christ three times. And so I, I've entitled this message from, from denial to disgrace, from denial to disgrace, because when Peter denied Christ, it eventually exposed his disgrace in his life. And uh, our main point of where we're going to get to today is this. Here's a statement I want you to kind of put in your head. The denial that leads to disgrace will have an impact on your faith. The denial that leads to disgrace will have an impact on your faith. You know, we've all uh, had some denials in our life. Uh, we've all, we've all had have 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 some areas in our life that we're like, you know what, uh, that didn't really exist, when actuality it does. Um, whether it be maybe a, a temper uh, problem or a bad habit or an addiction, and we, we tend to sort of deny and push that away. And, um, and, and also, we also deny Christ in several uh, areas in our life. And we're going to get into that a little bit. But let's get into what Simon Peter 
uh, went through in John chapter 13. So if you have your copy of God's Word, you want to turn it out. If not, we have it on the screen. But in John chapter 13, um, it says um, this in 36. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Talking to Jesus. Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow later. So he's prophesying, let him know what's going to happen. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. He will disown him three times. So Peter is, I would imagine, looking at Jesus like, are you crazy? What? Why are you saying that? It didn't say that in the scripture. Because here's the reason why. Peter, Peter was the guy that stepped out of the boat when Jesus said, come out on the water in the storm. Get out of the boat. Jesus is on the water. Come out. Step out, Peter. Come, follow me. And he did. Peter was also, like the other disciples, he, he had a business of a fisherman. And he was kind of in his mid-twenties, and he, he had a growing business as a fisherman. And he left all of that, all of it, his tools, his boat, his nets, all of that to follow Jesus. And Peter's like, okay, are you saying that by, by tomorrow morning, I'm going to deny you three times? Are you serious? Are you kidding me? And I would imagine that that is, that is his response. But here it is. Peter, yes, you will deny him. And in fact, after this scene where we just read the scripture, you're going to follow Jesus to a garden. And in the garden, you're actually going to fall asleep, even though he asked you to pray. And then Jesus is going to wake you up saying, hey, there's some soldiers coming to arrest me. You're going to uh, try to chop a guy's ear off and to try to uh, kill a guy, but you end up missing chopping his ear off instead. You're, you're going to run away whenever they take Jesus. You're going to flee far away, but then turn around and realize, whoa, whoa, I, I, I got I to see what's happening. And then you're going to go to the, to the high priest, Caiaphas, to his courtyard in the inner courtyard. We're going to wait and wait there by a fire and warm up there in the cold, in the deep dark of night, and to find out what's going on with Jesus. And then the unthinkable will happen. And in fact, if Peter could be here today, he might do something like this. I want you to watch this video. They say a rooster crowing is God's wake-up call. Yeah, that's... uh... At least that's the way it was for me. Everything, that, that whole night was a blur, all right? Um, I didn't comprehend, none of us could comprehend everything that was going on, all right? We were all in the upper room, Jesus was washing our feet. Um, then we were in the garden, Jesus goes off to pray by himself. I fell asleep, I'm not proud of it. I had a big meal, 
bread makes me sleepy. Next thing we know, me, James, and John, Jesus is in our face, and he's trying to wake us up, and uh, he said, uh, he said uh, the, the, uh, the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing, and, and then before we know it, Judas is kissing Jesus on the cheek. I try to go help him. I cut off this guard's ear. For the record, I wasn't aiming for his ear. I'm a fisherman, not a swordsman. And then they, uh, they arrest Jesus, and they take him off, and we... We ran. And it wasn't but two hours earlier that we were in the upper room. I was looking at him. I was looking him right in the eye saying, if everyone disowns you, Jesus, I won't. I'm with you. I love you. And I think that's what made me stop, turn around, go back. And uh, I caught a glimpse of Jesus as they were taking him to the high priest's house. Stood at the gate, and some girl comes up to me, starts pointing at me, starts going, you, you're with him. You're with this man that claims to be the son of God. You're one of his disciples. I felt like every eye was on me. So I just brushed her off. I said, you don't know what you're talking about. You got the wrong guy. I get my way into the courtyard, and uh, it's cold. I, I try to warm up by the fire. And then there's this guy that recognizes me, and he is uh, from the ear incident, you know, and starts going, get him, get him, he's with him. Just arrest him, get him. And I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about, all right? I wasn't with him. It was easier the second time to deny him. It was some time right before morning, and um, this wise guy, he comes up to me and goes, who are you kidding, all right? Who are you fooling? You're with him. I can tell by your accent. I'm like, this is just the way I talk, all right? And, and the whole night, they kept pushing him around. They kept beating him. They kept spitting on him, throwing insults at him, and I couldn't take it anymore. I had enough. I was tired of people accusing me, looking at me, and I, and I just I said a few things that I'm not proud of, but I was like, leave him alone. You don't know what you're doing, all right? Just leave him alone. I wasn't with him. And that's when I heard the most blood-curdling sound I ever heard in my whole life. I heard that rooster crow. And at that moment, Jesus, he turns around and he looks at me. He looks at me. And his gaze, you can't escape his gaze. I mean, when his eyes are on you, you cannot escape it. And they arrested him and they took him off. I will die with you, Jesus. As everyone, if everybody disowns you, I will die with you. What a, what a joke. I mean, what would you do? At that moment, at that time, I ran. I ran so fast, I ran so long. And you know what they did? They killed him. And so Peter went running.
he denied Christ. You know, we have all, including your pastor, we've all been in a place where we have denied Christ in some form or some fashion. Now, I'm not saying that we have told God, I don't believe in you. Maybe some of you have. I don't believe in you, Jesus. I'm saying we deny him with our simple little actions. Because what Peter was talking about, those are just simple actions. He didn't even realize that he was denying until the rooster crowed. And when, when that servant girl asked him, hey, aren't you one of them? Uh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Just kind of, no big deal, no big deal. There's number one. And then the second one, and the third one. And the second one, and the third one became easier for him to deny because it already came out of his mouth. Doesn't that happen with us as well? Don't we deny the power of Christ within us with some of our thoughts or some of our actions? And so there might be people that you know, might even be people in this room that are running because, just like Peter, because they have realized they have denied Christ. It could be maybe a believer, someone who, who has accepted Christ as Savior at one point in their life and then have, have, have made some bad decisions, bad choices. They didn't bring Christ into, into their life and to walk with them more and, to, and, to, and, and spend time with Him. They didn't invite Him in to their everyday lives. Yeah, I invited them into their heart. Yeah, be my Savior. But what does that look like? They didn't have anybody to help them along their way, and they sort of fizzled, and they began to make bad choices. And then they find themselves denying Christ. Or it could be someone who has never even accepted Christ as Savior, and they don't even know what that even looks like. And they even are, are not even sure if this Jesus was even the Son of God. They, most people believe that Jesus was, was here on this earth, but he was just a good guy. I mean, prophet, sure, a good teacher. Yeah, he told great stories. But, but was he the Savior of the world? Was he God's Son? I don't know if I believe that. There's lots of people who have denied Christ. When we refuse to let Christ come into our life and be the savior of our life and guide our life. Now, please understand, if you have accepted Christ, that is a one-time decision and God is gonna continue to work with you. But let me tell you, we have got to continually invite him into our day every day. We've gotta continually say, Jesus, I want you with me. I want you near me. I need help with these decisions I need, you, I need you to be savior and comforter, and I need wisdom from you. And so when, when we refuse to do that, we're just walking on a path of our own, just walking down the path, and when we realize that we're now close to the, the edge and co close to the cliff of disgrace, we realize, like Peter, the rooster crows, and we, we're, we're caught in the act, and we have disgrace in our life. Most everybody has done that. Most everybody in this world has had to deal with disgrace in their life, just like Peter. And so what do we do with that? Do we try to erase it? 
Well, it's kind of hard to erase some things, you know? I mean, some things we do in our life, I mean, uh, bad choices, especially if they have huge impacts, it impacts us or impacts others, it's, it's hard to erase that. But here's what you can do. You may not can erase it, but you can replace it. You can replace it. Put something bigger in front of that disgrace to help you see that instead of what you've done. Maybe put the grace of God in front of the disgrace in your life. And so it's very difficult to, uh, to totally forget, but replacing is a way. But before we can, before we can replace the, the disgrace in our lives, we have, to, we have to size it up a little bit. We have to, we have to see what that looks like. Because when we, when we make uh, bad choices in our lives, it affects us and affects other people. And so before we can start uh, replacing that disgrace with, with, um, with God's word and, and prayer and, uh, and um, just fellowship with other believers, before we can do that, we've got to say, okay, what is this going to take? What is this going to take? Because that's going to help you realize what you need to replace that disgrace with. The, the bigger the disgrace, meaning not bigger the sin, smaller the sin, and all sins the same, but the bigger the disgrace, meaning the bigger implica- implications it has on other people's lives. The bigger the disgrace, then the more it's going to take for you to replace that. And so you need to sort of size it up and see how big it is. Uh, for example... When trying to, um, trying to lead your, your, your family without Christ. If you're trying to lead your family without Christ being active in that family in your life, in your life you are going to get to the point to where, man, I can't do this on my own. And you're right. You can't do it and do it well without Christ and the love and his gentleness in your life. Yeah, you can raise a kid without Christ. You can raise children without Christ. But can you raise children in the way that God wants them, in a way that they understand their creator, the the one who loves them, the one who died for them, the one who could tell their purpose in their life? Because if not, they grow up and they have this empty void in their life. And they're like, man, what's my purpose? There's all kinds of people around this world who was walking around and they don't understand their purpose because they had a family who led them and raised them without Christ. That's why I see lots of adults who are like, I need to come to Jesus. <laughs> I need to come to Jesus. And so if you are someone who is a parent who's leading, uh, raising kids, and if you're trying to do it without Christ, there are some things that's going to happen with that. You're, gonna, you're, going to, uh, you're not going to be able to handle those things. You're going to find yourself uh, stuck in a, between a rock and a hard place, between you trying to, trying to talk with them gently, but at the same time just want to knock their heads off, you know, and trying to, uh, trying to handle your emotions, trying to handle your finances, trying to handle the pressures of that. And then you have disgrace. And so with that disgrace, you've got to realize, okay, what can I replace it with? What is it going to take? Another thing we got to do, we can't ignore it. We can't ignore the disgrace in our lives. There are times in my life I can look back and say, 
you know, I haven't forgotten that I did that. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to set it, set of, try to erase it, which I can't. I'm going to replace it. Now, if we confess sin, Jesus is faithful enough to forgive us of our sin, and he discards it from the east as from the west. It's okay with Christ. It's okay with God as long as we confess that. But I'm talking about how we deal with it, how we deal with disgrace, because it is a very heavy weight on our shoulders. And as we're going to get to in just a moment, you're going to see the reason why we need to get, we need to replace that with something else. So you can't ignore it. Because if you try to ignore it, it's just going to lead you back to an old lifestyle. If you try to ignore, it's going to lead you right back to your old lifestyle. That's exactly what Peter did. And and after after Peter denied Jesus, Peter did what only Peter knew how to do. In John chapter 21, verse 3, it says this. Peter's talking. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, hey, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So what did Peter do? What did Peter do after he denied Christ? He's faced with this disgrace, with this shame. He tries to run away from it. And what it does, it it makes him run away to his old lifestyle before Christ came into his life. If we try to ignore the disgrace, we try to run from the disgrace like Peter did, we'll just run right back to our lifestyle. That's what people all over this world are doing right now. They haven't come to grips with, hey, this disgrace in my life, I've got to face it. I've got to face it. I've got to replace it. I'm not going to run from it, but I'm going to, I'm going to face it. And I'm going to allow Christ to help me with this. I'm going to talk to the people I may have hurt in my life. I'm going to get this right. Because if you don't, and you run away from it, you're going, you're going right back the opposite direction. So don't ignore it. And, and, and also, don't, when, you, when you try to ignore it, and you run away, what you're doing is you're just trying to set yourself up that you don't want to be hurt again. It's all about pride. It's all about pride. You're like, you know, this, this thing in my life, I'm going to run away from it. And like Peter did, and because I don't want to hurt again, I don't want, I don't want people to see me as that person. Peter went back home far away from Jerusalem. He didn't want to hang around Jerusalem anymore. People know what he did. His disciples, they know what he did. And so pride is a thing that keeps us running. So don't let pride, don't harbor um, that pride. And how did, G- how did Peter face his shame? How did Peter face up? He went back fishing And then he faces shame in John chapter 21, verse 15 through 17. John chapter 21, verse 15 through 17. Now what happens is Jesus dies. He's put in the tomb. 
He rises again on the third day. And the Bible said Jesus came back, spent time on earth, 40 days on earth, before he ascended into, into heaven. And one of the things he did, one of the, one of the first things he did, he went to go see somebody. He went back to earth, or he went, he went back in, into his bodily form and said, you know, I need to go see my friend, Peter. And so let's look at that encounter in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. It's interesting, and I pointed this out before. You, many of you probably know this. It's interesting that Jesus gave him three opportunities to say, I love you, Jesus. The same amount of opportunities that Peter did to deny Christ. Peter denied Christ three times. There's our number three. Jesus came back with the same number. All right? Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. And he took care of each and every one of those denials. So he had Peter face up to that disgrace in his life. Maybe God is asking you, if there's some disgrace in your life, maybe you need to not run away from it. You need to face it. You need to come before God. You need to confess that. You need to, you need to go to others if, if, if it had uh, implications on other people. And you need to ask God to forgive you and let Jesus Christ work within you and renew your life and renew that area in your life. And you'll, you'll, you probably will never erase it in your mind, but you can replace it with the grace of Jesus Christ. And that's what, Jesus, that's what Peter did. He replaced it with the grace of Jesus. So God reinstated Peter. And I love this in Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. It says this, verse 6 through 7. This is talking about This is talking about the um, um, the resurrection. An angel said, "Don't be alarmed." He said, "You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he." told you. And so the angel made sure, the angel was telling the ladies at the tomb, go tell the disciples 
and Peter. They didn't name all the disciples. They just said, go tell the disciples, but make sure, and Peter. Because Jesus wanted to make sure that Peter knew. Now, to best illustrate that, I want you to watch another video of Peter and Jesus being portrayed in this video. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, his crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. Jesus, is that you? You're alive, I can't believe you're alive. Okay, I was in the boat and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman, I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord, and you're alive. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat, come on. Peter, yeah. do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good, then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? I love you. Yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster clucking. I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it. All right. Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? Jesus, mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. That is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out. You know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that the, there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay, he is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there. And if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there and I'm looking in that tomb and it is, it is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait, yeah. the angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You said my name. Why did you say my name? Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. 